You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, Pride of Detroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us through the off season, through the in season, through the out season, through the side season, the back season, the left season, all seasons, a podcast for all seasons. I'm Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter. Find the POD cast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever you get podcasts. We're here. We've got plenty to talk about, but we've uh, got a little Southern flair now on the podcast. We, you can feel it. You can feel the, uh, the extra fry, the extra oil, grease, fried food, green tomatoes, and all of it coming from our fearless leader, Jeremy Reisman at Detroit online on down in Mobile, Alabama. Howdy y'all roll time. How would do it? No, I'm not going to do that all. Wow. Uh, hey, it's my first, uh, is this, a, can, can we, this be like a correspondence piece? Technically, is this my first correspondence piece? Yeah, you're live from the war zone at Alabama. Um, yeah. You know, we've got you the bulletproof vest and everything. This is we've... Malik Willis's bed. Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> no. You're getting very intimate already. Very uh, POD after dark, everyone. <laughs> Just going right into there. But uh, I'm sure one man who's very upset that he's missing out on being in Malik Willis's bed is Ryan Matthews. <laughs> The rock god, Ryan underscore POD, just hypercharging yeah. this with uh, awkwardness right up the bat. I, that, what do you want me to say? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I was going to take an opportunity to, to do my best Brian Kelly impression and talk about family. Family! Before Chris decided to put me in Malik Willis's bed. Okay. All right. I really don't know where to go from there after that. I'm going to be honest. I shocked myself a little bit. Way to go. You (laughs) killed the podcast. I know. Can't even, I I don't even know where the AED paddles are. Jeremy doesn't either. He's in a hotel room. There might be some here. I'll just rip the cords out of the lamp over here and apply it to the, this podcast and and get it going again. Cause off the rail, I mean, we're we're out of sync here. I'm I'm in a different time zone than normal. I, I I don't know what's going on. We're out of sync too, because all I, I'm hosting the POD cast this time on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Pride Detroit, where you can watch live. And I completely forgot that all of the alerts are still set to Stafford screaming, Riley, Riley. <laughs> so that's in my ear every few seconds while right. we're sitting here trying to get this podcast going. And I think that's a great place to start. Matthew Stafford, the playoffs. And I know there's probably some Lions fans out there who are like, oh my God, these guys are going to talk about Matthew Stafford again. How the hell can you guys keep doing this? How the hell are you guys so simp for a guy who left Detroit? 
I'm not going to get into that kind of thing. If you don't want to root for the guy, who cares? But he's part of the culture of it. And on this podcast, in the segment, we'll talk about some Bengals too, because I think they're an interesting case study in a rebuild. And we have more reports from the Senior Bowl, Mobile, Alabama. But first, as I said, Stafford, blouses. Jimmy Garoppolo throwing, uh, making the one throw you really can't make at the end of that 49ers Rams game, which was a bit of a slobber knocker. It was a bit of a, uh, a rough scene for everyone. Good defenses all around, but Stafford was finding Cooper cup as he is wont to do there. And now Jeremy Matthew Stafford has as many NFC titles as Aaron Rodgers, Yes. And Jared Goff. Yes, he does. Uh, yeah. All of that is true. It, it's, it's crazy. Um, and Tom Brady. And, and NFC champion. That's yeah. You know what? That's true too. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it's kind of crazy. I know, I know this is the expectation, right? This is why the Rams made that trade and everything, but considering everything that needs to go right to have a Super Bowl run, it still kind of blows my mind that Stafford was able to knock out all, all of the questions about him in one season. Yeah, I, I, I put on Twitter, the very first game in LA, he sets a, a, a personal best in passer rating and yards per attempt. Then he goes out, wins his first road home game. Then he wins his first home uh, I'm sorry, wins his first home playoff game, wins his first road playoff game, wins his first NFC championship in his first attempt for all that to go right in his first year is kind of amazing. And I know there's this narrative that he's got a super team. And I, I wrote about that. Every, everyone pretty much in the playoffs at this point has a super team. That's how it works. That's how you, you got to have a good far. team to go to the playoffs. Yeah. Wow. Unbelievable. It's, it's not like they're the only team to have a top 10 offense and defense in, in the league right now. Dallas had one. The Buccaneers had one. The Bills had one. Like that's that's how you get this far in the NFL. And I'm not saying Stafford is the one. Wow, football that pushed a team them, sport that pushed them over the edge. But to say like Stafford's not doing anything, it's the only reason this this far is because they have the super team. Well, yeah, that that's how it works. That's how football works. And sometimes that's not enough. Sometimes having a super team isn't enough. So the fact that Stafford did all of this in his first year in LA is is kind of phenomenal. It's kind of ridiculous. And I don't think enough credit is being given to him. I don't think enough people are recognizing how ridiculous this is um, and how many narratives are being put to bed and, and is one off season or one, one season, one postseason going to change everybody's mind. Of course not. We, we we're seeing it everywhere. Everyone's moving the, the goalposts further and further away. And he has to prove more and more the, the great quarterbacks, carry their team to the Super Bowl regardless. Okay, so how many great super super uh, how many great quarterbacks can you count that have done that? Tom Brady and you're out. Because guess what? Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback and he dragged his team to the Super Bowl once. Once. It's not easy to do. Give Matthew Matthew Stafford some damn credit uh and and yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what what's next. It was a it's a cool night. Yeah, it was a cool night. Uh, here, here's the thing that I have with Stafford that is actually kind of bothering me because for the most part, I'm lock in step. Like I'm, I'm happy to see him succeed somewhere else. I'm happy to see him put a lot of narratives to bed. Um, I, I mean, I, just happy for the football player who I, I think you put this best, Jeremy, but like the one of the things that's so incredible about this run is it shows you how everything needs to happen just the right way. And it's more than just the quarterback. Obviously the quarterback is the biggest, uh, arguably the biggest ingredient there, 
But I mean, to have a, a, a drop touchdown pass, like in the case of Matthew Stafford or a dropped interception by the same sure. token, or, sure. you know, the fact that he's been able to go on this run and win three playoff games in a row to take his team to the Super Bowl and to overcome, uh, you know, some of the challenges that, that were put in front of him, all really impes- impressive. I, I, the one thing that I take umbrage with is this whole notion of, it goes back to him saying that he wanted to play in big games. And I think Matthew Stafford had opportunities to play in big games in Detroit. And you know what? His team wasn't able to rally around him and make some plays. Like you think about the playoff games, right? And you think about the first game with New Orleans. I mean, Matthew Stafford can't do a whole lot about the New Orleans Saints scoring 45 points. Um, you know, you think about 2016 with the with the Seahawks game. Can't really do a whole lot when he's got a mangled hand, you know, Um it all really just comes back to that Dallas game. And, yeah. you know, th- there, there were some other big moments. There were some opportunities in, in week 17 for him to play for the division against the Green Bay Packers. And sure. he wanted to play in big games. So that's the one thing that kind of that I take umbrage with over the course of all the Stafford stuff, because I feel like it's a really calculated and I'll, I'll give Matthew Stafford credit for this. He's a calculated clever dude like he knows how to play the media game he knows how to get up in front of a microphone and either say a nothing burger or very carefully get to the point of something and i think him saying that he wanted wanted to play in big games i think he wanted to play in bigger games like he wanted to play in bigger the biggest (laughs) yeah ultimately yeah but like i i just i don't know does does that maybe not bother you but like I don't know. Do you see where I'm coming from on that? Yeah, a little I, bit. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. A, a little bit. Cause we got to put a pin in this and move on to the Bengals here in a second. Um, I, I see it a little bit, but I think what he means is like, again, to get more opportunities to those deep games. I think just what, at the end of the day, that was maybe a misspeak. He just wanted to play on a, on a good team, on a great team, not just a good I, team. He had a good team in 2014, but it was but still it. fairly limited. Yeah, no, no, like he had a great that team. That was the only there, year, I really feel like he had a team that could have gotten him as far and as And even then, that team, Jeremy, was fairly limited. It couldn't run the ball, even with Reggie Bush. It couldn't sure. really – it had Calvin Johnson, but the other receiving options were kind of up and down. Offensive the offensive line issues, too. Very big offensive line issues. So it wasn't exactly like he had this great team for everything to go right for him. And what it comes down to is I, I have two – I, I find, as always, the uh, the uh, opinion on Stafford kind of cleaves differently depending on whether you're looking local or national. From the national side, I think there's it, it's cloven between. There's some people who have kind of now come and rushed and crowned Stafford for being as great as he is. There are still the people who have held out against Stafford. I find it fascinating because I've noticed people in this game have kind of treated going into this game, Jimmy Garoppolo and Matthew Stafford were a kind of good dichotomy on how they were being treated in that Jimmy Garoppolo, depending on who you talk to, not people were saying, yeah, he's not a great quarterback, but there were plenty of people who were defending Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo going to that game, talking about how he's just won games and brought his team to deep places. And I've seen today, several people saying Jimmy G wasn't the reason that the 49ers lost the game, even though Jimmy G's final play on that game was making the one throw you can't do and turning the ball over in, in something they tell you in high school, not to throw the ball like that when you're going down. So 
he gets the kid gloves. Stafford still, the goalposts have now moved once again to, well, he needs to win the Super Bowl. I think that's on Stafford's mind when he talks about big games, is that no matter what he does, those goalposts are never going to be close enough. And he's like the only quarterback we really do that with. Everyone else has like, maybe because he's played as long as he has and hasn't gotten to these moments. Locally, though, the story is a lot different. Locally, it's once again, there's a lot of people who are very happy for Stafford. And now you you get this a lot. It's I've always called it hipster brain. I'm guilty of it, too, where you see something that's really popular on TV or really popular in movies, be it Marvel movies or Game of Thrones, and you're on the outs and you don't like that you're on the outs or that you just don't think they're they're good and you just don't want any part of those in your life. Everyone has the hipster brain every now and then you have that one nagging thing where you just have to go against the grain. And I, because something has been talked about too much that has hit an annoyance factor for you. And in the case of Stafford, I think some people have hit that annoyance factor and now they're trying to yell at fans to stop talking about Stafford or they're trying to tell like lions fans that like, it's probably like that guy ditched you or that he's your ex I love someone tried to come out with a take today. I think you were talking to them, Jeremy, about that's that like rooting for staffers, like rooting for your ex. Like, hey, no, it's not like this. Is, I understand in America, sports are a big part of our culture. It's not like that. So I just it's funny, right? Because I feel like we are getting the blowback to people rooting for Stafford. But we're I'm going to still at least hope for good things for Stafford. Because I don't think it, it it doesn't reflect bad on the Lions if, if he does well. It doesn't. It it doesn't. It it does a little bit, but it. it yeah. But here's here's and right I'm, now I'm, him going forward, it's not. I, what, what 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 else can I say? The Lions had bad teams in those years. Wow, news at eleven. Right, exactly. Not I mean, team breaking news here. It's basically it's confirming what we were saying the entire time, which is Stafford needs a supporting cast. He needs a defense. He needs a running game. Didn't get any of that. Now he's starting to get it. And guess what? He's he's succeeding. But I do want to make a little bit of a confession of, and maybe this was just the result of me being live for for to eight hours yesterday during the the games, but. Once I saw that picture of Matthew Stafford with the big banner at SoFi behind him saying Super Bowl bound, it was the first time I was a little upset. It was the first time I was like, damn, this kind of hurts a little bit. And, and it, it's not, it's not because I hate Stafford. It's not because I hate the lions. It, it's just, and, and I think Mike Payton actually put in, in, in a really good way. It, it finally, it, it, it really felt like someone else was living out our dream a little bit because we had all dreamed when Matthew Stafford was here, he was going to take this team to the Super Bowl, And to actually see it happen to another team was like, man, that was, that was what I was hoping to see sometime Maybe. in the past 12 years. And it, it, it was a little sad. I, I was kind of emotionally exhausted from the day. So it might've just caught up to me at, at that moment, but there was just a, a, a twinge of sadness uh, late Sunday night where it was just like, man, could have been us on the other side of the field. And on the other side of the NFL, the team going up against them in the in the Super Bowl, the Cincinnati Bengals. And I'll pitch this over to Ryan, because I think as much as we are sad to see our uh, our child, Patrick Mahomes, go down the way he did, the Bengals had to pull off one hell of a comeback to do what they did. And at the front of that is Joe Burrow, some incredible good pieces on the Bengals defense. And an and a very high powered offense, but more importantly, they did it within three years. They did a turnaround in three years after coming out of a quagmire of a team being 
where the Lions were. Not great, but not terrible, but bad enough that you're getting lost in a quagmire. They the were, Bengals hit a little bit higher because they were at least going to the playoffs every uh, usually uh, under Marvin Lewis, but they weren't doing anything in the playoffs. So they might have well have been in the same boat as the Lions. And in three years with Zach Taylor, after two years where they won a combined six games, they got their quarterback in Joe Burrow, and now they are on to the Super Bowl after overcoming uh, some like an incredible defense in the Titans and overcoming the Patrick Mahomes Chiefs machine in Kansas City. So I I I, I admire the Bengals for that because I see in them a path that maybe the lions could walk. Well, I, I think this goes hand in hand with uh, actually what we were talking about before. And I, I was going to use this to kind of segue out, but like, I, I, I know Jeremy put out something today about, you know, um, giving credit to Matthew Stafford because uh, it's more than just the fact that the Rams have a super team. Uh, I saw Jason from over the cap. Um, at, at Jason underscore OTC. He tweeted out today, despite the way that people look at the Rams, they actually rank six in the NFL in homegrown players. They had uh, the most drafted players in the NFL on their roster this year. Um, and that's kind of overshadowed by a lot of the big high profile trades they make, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who's the Lions general manager? Brad Holmes. I mean, that that's a Los Angeles Rams team that is primarily homegrown. Like, that's one of the best statistics that you can hear for any general manager is to see that their draft picks stick around and they play for that team because that, I mean, that's what you see with all of the sustained success around the NFL, Seattle Seahawks, all about drafting Patriots, blah, 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 drafting. And then Bill Belichick got bad at it and they didn't, they didn't win Super Bowls when, when he was bad at drafting, but like that's where I'm at with the lions in terms of this rebuild of being really optimistic about where they're at right now. Yeah. They won three games, but they have a guy who's coming from an organization that does something that a lot of really good football teams do. And that's, and that's draft good, good players that stick around. So you don't, you see more of the Rams than the Bengals. Though. No, no, no. What, what, I, what I'm saying is, is that that's the key to success with, with what's going on in Detroit. And so that's, that's the fundamental difference, though, between the Cincinnati and the Detroit rebuild is that Cincinnati got a quarterback. Like, yeah. as far as the the rest of their roster goes, like, I mean, their offensive line. I mean, we'll get into maybe our feelings about the Super Bowl next week, but, like, good luck against Aaron Donald. And and the thing I'm saying about Cincy is, like, Joe Burrow has quite literally done everything to like it's Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase and everybody else just hang on. Like make sure that all hands and feet are inside the car. Yeah, it's kind of interesting looking at, at the Bengals cuz yeah, a lot of people look at them as a, as a very quick turnaround and yeah, Zach Taylor took over in 2019 and they went 2 and 14. And so everyone's like, "Oh, they went 2 and 14 their first season under Zach Taylor." So let let's see what Dan Campbell can do after a 3-13 and 1 season. Can he turn it around in 3 years? And and you're right, Ryan. I think Joe Burrow was kind of the ultimate accelerator there, right? You, you get you get a top tier quarterback in year two, you're already making a Super Bowl run. And if if the Lions were to follow this model, like part of it tracks, right? The, the first year they go out and get Jonah Williams, their their left tackle. Lions went and got Panay Sewell. The problem here is is there a quarterback? Is there a Joe Burrow in this year's draft? And I think most people at this point would say no. 
I'm still willing to, to, to see how it all plays out. Maybe they fall in love with someone here at the senior bowl. Um, maybe they don't, but it, it can happen. And, and I, I, I think, I think the lines are set up in, in a good opportunity with, with all the draft capital that they have with, with some of the free agent capital that they're going to have this upcoming season with the compensatory picks they're, they're getting. It, it's just, they, they need that key piece. And, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it turns out to be Jared Goff. Maybe, maybe it turns out to be someone they drafted this year. More likely, it seems like someone they draft next year, which might push it into a four-year rebuild instead of the three-year build, rebuild that the, the Zach Taylor did. But I thought it was interesting that you brought up Marvin Lewis because it seems like almost the Bengals' trajectory, they just like they skipped the Matt, their Matt Patricia era. They went straight from Jim Caldwell to, to Dan Campbell. Um, right, and they still held on to some of those pieces from the Marvin Lewis defenses, which were good. Sure. Like, I mean, right. Eli Apple was playing in that game, and I know our friend uh, Kyle from Baltimore Beatdown does not like Eli Apple, but Eli Apple was making plays in that game. I think Eli you're right, Apple though. is trash. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, he made like, one I think play, the offensive line is an interesting thing because – and Ryan, Ryan brought up Aaron Donald because that was the key in that Titans game where I thought the Bengals were done that Joe Burrow gets sacked nine times and somehow still survives, doesn't get rattled like you would expect any quarterback who gets hit. You always hear from players like you hit a quarterback enough times, like their cage is, sh- is shaken no matter what. Joe Burrow got sacked nine times and the Bengals still won that game. So I don't know if that's different, if that's a Joe Burrow thing that some people are spinning it into where just extremely good luck, but I guess we're going to find out in the Super Bowl because, like, as you said, Aaron Donald's there. And he's going, coming for kneecaps. And and the one thing I want to point out with the Bengals rebuilding, and, and and listen, this is what everyone does when we get to the Super Bowl. Here, it's we we make these kind of large assumptions of this is how you rebuild a team, this is how you succeed because these two specific teams got here. I'm I still want to see the Bengals play out because we talked about this a little bit on the live. Street, I feel like Chris. they're early. Like I feel like they're early on their rebuild. Exactly, I I do too. I because you know people in, in chat are pointing out they also have a ton of cap space next year. Like they. They have like a something lot like to work 50 with. million or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I also want to make sure they're not a flash in the pan team too, because that we see that happen. And, and listen, I know Lions fans are like, who cares if they're a flash in the pan? If Lions get to the Super Bowl, build a damn statue of Brad Holmes. I get that. But well, they're not trying to get to the Super Bowl once here. They are trying to become a steady franchise, the likes of the Steelers and Ravens and Packers and Patriots and like all those teams. Well, and I need, to, I need to see yeah. the Bengals do that before I suddenly say, follow the Bengals model. Well, that, that sounds fine, Jeremy, but the flash in the pan thing, but to, again, to go against the Steelers and the Packers, those teams haven't gone to the Super Bowl in a really long time. They haven't. They've been in the playoffs and they've been punching their ticket pretty well, but being steady does not guarantee you a lot of trips to go to the big one either at no, the end of the day. It, the, only, well, the only one that's had that steady and repeated trips was the Patriots, Patriots, and I think at this point we can all agree the Patriots model isn't something that really can be replicated. Right. So, I mean, and look, like the there's still but I, questions I'm not, about I'm not necessarily Chiefs. talking Super Bowl every year. I'm talking about winning your division 50-plus right. percent of the time, and there are teams that do that. The Steelers do that. The, the Packers certainly did it. Uh, the Seahawks did it for a while. That that's what I'm I because I mean when you're when you're talking about the playoffs, the NFL playoffs, and, and getting to the Super Bowl, single elimination, man. The best team is not oh, no, necessarily going to make it to the random. Super Bowl. It's every totally year. random. Yeah, the Bengals are probably not the best team in the AFC, but they're going to the Super Bowl just because whatever. Um, and so to me, if you can get that sustained success where you are competing for the division every year, that's where you need to be. Because who knows what happens in the play? You just need to give yourself the most opportunities once you get to the playoffs and then just see what happens. 
And I don't, I don't know if the Bengals are that team yet. I, they probably are because as we said, it feels like, like, I think you put it right. They're early. They, they got there early. They're, they're, they're punching above their weight right now, but the, the path is made for them to continue to do so. And if, if they continue to do so, then maybe we, we use them as a model. I just, I'm not ready to do it quite yet. I, I don't think I'm ready to do it either. And I think something that, that deserves to be acknowledged is that in year two of the Cincinnati three-year turnaround, I mean, that that's when Joe Burrow gets injured, right? So, I mean, you're, you're thinking about what happens to a team that got a franchise quarterback in Joe Burrow, right? Um, and then I, I don't know if you guys recall this, but as, I, as I'm looking at the, the 2020 schedule for the Cincinnati Bengals, like they had a couple of stinker games, but they had a lot of losses that were by like three, four, two points. Like they were in one possession games when Burrow was, you know, when, when Burrow was playing. Yeah. And I, I think what's interesting though, is that they get a franchise quarterback and then on the heels of that, he gets injured and the rest of their season goes in the tank. Right. He's a top five pick. And then they get a top five pick. It's kind of like the 49ers a couple of years ago, right? When like they were a good team, but they suffered so many injuries that it, it afforded them Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. I, I think, I think that there's something to like, just some like dumb luck like that. Yeah. Yep. Pride of Detroit POD cast. Uh, we'll put a pin in this one. As Ryan said, we got plenty to talk about for next week because we'll have the Super Bowl barreling down our throats at some point, which also means, Ryan, the two-parter prop bet article is probably coming back at some point too. Yeah, it's the most wonderful world, time of the year. The world needs that. The world needs that. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk more about Mobile, Alabama. Jeremy is down there. Uh, Brad Holmes spoke at the at a press conference there and there's two positions i feel like at the senior bowl we should talk about this is a really big week for a lot of draft stuff not just senior bowl we've had the nflpa collegiate bowl uh the east west shrine bowl is coming up on thursday those guys aren't going to be as highly touted those are a lot of guys you will probably see on like maybe rounds three maybe three but more like four five six seven later on the senior bowls kind of position itself to be like the one where you get a lot of talent that will go higher up. And we'll talk about some of that, including a quarterback that we've referenced to in inappropriate ways and other things, plus wide receivers. And later on, we lions do have a, have a pro bowl, uh, a pro bowl guard. Hey, he's going to the pro bowl. We'll talk about that and more on the pride of Detroit BOD cast. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. 
Real Traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. That's all, folks. Uh, we're reporting in live with Jeremy's in Mobile, Alabama. We've talked about the playoffs, but I think it's time to start talking some draft stuff, talk about actual Lions stuff. So, Jeremy, uh, Brad Holmes, obviously, the Lions leading the American team at the Senior Bowl, one of two NFL teams to lead these national team being led, led by the New York Jets. Uh, so Brad Holmes, general manager, was available. And I think he, he elucidated on two positions. And I think this is a great way to do a little bit of Senior Bowl preview here is to talk about two positions, two very key positions that Lions fans are interested in. Uh, do we want to start with wide receiver? Or do you want to start with quarterback? Um. Let's give the people what they want. Quarterback talk, right? Let's go. Yeah. Okay. So uh, first off, as the appetizer, everyone down there wears on the American team gets Lions hats to wear. It's one of the cool things you get to, you know, envision yourself being drafted by the Detroit Lions. Someone consider that a curse. I don't. I consider that a massive blessing, including one person wearing it. And we had a great picture of him wearing it was Ryan's Ryan's new newfound son, Malik Willis. Wearing a Lions hat. Liberty quarterback who Todd McShay has moved up to his QB number one in this draft. He's going to be there at the Senior Bowl. And uh, let me find. And Brad Holmes Woods uh, was asked, Jeremy, whether this quarterback class was underrated. And he said that he doesn't say it's that underrated. Yeah, it was kind of that. That alone is, I guess, an interesting comment because, you know, he the way it was phrased, he's like, listen, a lot of people don't think that, that, you know, a quarterback might be worthy of that first over, you know, first round pick, blah, blah, blah. And he, he says, no, I don't think it was underrated, but it's a, like, I don't know. It, the full quote is more like, I don't know. Everyone rates everyone differently. 32 teams have 32 different boards. We'll see who rates who, what, um, but yeah, it, to me, like that answer didn't really fit in with the rest of the conversation because he, I mean, he was basically asked like, is there any, you know, people say there isn't anyone worth potentially your second overall pick. Do you think that's misguided? And he's, he essentially said no, but I don't think that's what he meant, honestly. Like, if you, if you sat there and watched the entire interview, it doesn't feel like he answered the right question there. And, and you know, if, if, if I were to pull the, the full quote there, he's, he says, I wouldn't say it's underrated. Everything is case by case. Everyone has their own plight, so I wouldn't say underrated. Every team is looking for something different. I always say that all 32 teams have 32 different boards. The They have different ways of they evaluate each position. And so it's not he's not really saying anything about the draft class. He's more saying people evaluate things differently. And so I'm, I'm, I don't think he's saying necessarily that it's a poor draft class. We're not going to take one at number two. Um, I just think he's just making a commentary on perception of guys. I don't know. It's weird. I, I don't like that quote. And it's, re- I, I didn't really focus on it. I focus more on his other comment about the quarterback class. And it, that was towards the three specific quarterbacks that the Lions are going to be coaching this week. And that's Bailey Zappi, uh, uh, Sam Howell and, and Malik Willis. And 
the interesting quote that I pulled from from those guys via via Brad Holmes is he he talked about the adversity that Sam Howell and Malik Willis have, have gone through with with Sam Howell. It was the fact that four guys that he had in 2020 got drafted two running backs, two wide receivers. He basically had to deal with an entirely new cast in 2021. And maybe that attributed to, to some of the struggles that he had this year. Same with Malik Willis, where he, you know, he went, was it Auburn? He was originally with, and then obviously transfers transfers to uh, Liberty, right? To Liberty where he's dealing with, you know, it, if I can paraphrase Brad Holmes in a very loose way, he had to deal with shitty players. <laughs> he had to deal with shitty teammates. Like we all know the offensive line was crap. We all know, you know, not, not great weapons either. Um, and so they both went through some adversity and, and I think that's an appealing um, quality for Brad Holmes because listen, and, and this will, we'll bring this up again when we talk about wide receivers. I really feel like character is such a huge part of what the lines are looking for almost above all everything else. And, and that can be dangerous. That can get you to fall in love with some guys that might not have as much talent as you're looking for, but they're really looking for guys who can overcome adversity guys who, you know, could, could go through a rough season. The guys like Jared Goff, who went through a really rough season in 2021, but came through better on, on the other end. And so they're looking for guys who can do that sort of stuff. And so I think, I think that part of their, their story for, for Sam Howell and Malik Willis are, are interesting and intriguing to, to Brad Holmes and, and probably to Dan Campbell, since they're, they're really on the same page there. So it'll be interesting to see how they perform on the field. But I think that was kind of an interesting little peek into what Brad Holmes values in, in some of these quarterbacks and going through a little adversity and coming out better is, is one of them. Yeah. And, and I think what his, uh, his former comment that you're talking about, Jeremy, in terms of, you know, 32 teams having 32 different boards, I think maybe that is just more indicative of why Brad Holmes is down there and why he's probably excited to have the quarterbacks that he has because he gets a chance to evaluate those guys up close and personal. Like, yeah. I mean, he, he gets an opportunity that, that not a lot of other teams get by, by having those specific guys who, you know, as you just mentioned, went through a ton of adversity and uh, in, in 2021. So, I mean, to, to get, to get eyes on them and to have them up close and personal, I think that's a, I think it's a huge get for the lions and I, wild question, total curveball, And I want to throw it to Chris first by the end of this week. Do we think that mock drafts pick up steam with the lions taking a quarterback at number two? At number two, or I, I think it would be sexy to see that, but I think the problem is there's so much good talent at the top of the draft and it's competing with the steam of, of having Evan Neal going to the Jaguars that is going to run into the steam of, okay, well the Jaguars pass on Hutchinson and Thibodeau. So a lot of, I think a lot of mock drafts will also, I, I don't know. I could see it a 50, 50 split, right? You will have some mock drafts that will say, okay, the lions take Malik Willis or they take uh, Matt Coral. On the flip side, I think there's going to be a lot that are going to say, all right, well, the Jags take Evan Neal and then give the Lions either Hutchinson or Thibodeau. I think, I, I think, think we'll split that, see that split. I, I think I think some people – it's not going to be a ton. I think I, I think people – too many people have already dug their heels in and said there's no quarterback worth a number two pick. But things change, right? And I do think – I do think, you know, it. I, 
mock drafters are fickle, right? They're, they're trying, they're always trying to figure out different ways to write the same thing a billion times. And sometimes they, they throw a curveball in. And so this would be a great week to throw a curveball where the Lions are coaching some of these guys. You're probably going to pull a quote from, from someone in the Lions that's saying something nice about the quarterbacks, like Brad Holmes just kind of did, but you'll probably hear it from the coaching staff too. And that'll be enough for someone to write, right? Someone, someone's going to write it. And it's not going to be a ton. Again, I think group think has a pretty strong hold on, on quarterbacks not being worth a, a top five pick, but yeah, it, it'll happen. And I'm not, I'm, and people are going to hammer it and say it's reactionary and maybe it is, but I think, I think everyone has jumped the gun a little too quickly on no quarterbacks worth top five pick. Yeah. I, I see if we start getting to quarterbacks, it will be a bit of a correction. I do know for myself, we were running some mock drafts on a stream last night and um, on Sunday night and uh, <laughs> kept having the, the jets taking two for four and 10. And that, I think if, you know, Jeremy's favorite situation trade back, I think that becomes the more likely quarterback scenario if we're, if we're thinking about it, but now I'm just playing draft machine with you, but I like doing that. Cause I see Jeremy getting antsy over there. I, I've invoked his favorite my, words too. trade back. If, if mocking it, I already think mock drafts this early before free agency is a waste of time. Mocking trade ups and trade downs before free agency is the dumbest thing in the world. That's all. <laughs> the dumbest, yeah. like enjoy it, have fun. I'm not trying to tell you don't have fun, but to me, dumbest thing in the world. <laughs> I think it, it'll be fascinating to see where we kind of correct with quarterback. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I, I'm still of the mind that there's really no one that's going to be like, as we said, like a Joe Burrow type of talent, but we've had plenty of surprises in the past, haven't we? Yep. I, I think the, the one last thing I want to add that's so interesting about this week and why it's so important to that discussion about quarterbacks is that virtually all the top guys are there except for Corral. Like, yeah, Corral, who's got the injury, right? Oh, and he's not, and he wasn't a senior this year. So, right. oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a loaded senior quarterback class, which is great for the Lions If, if they find a guy that they like. The other position that they talked about was wide receiver. Um, and I think, you know, Brad Holmes was tasked about, uh, you know, the quote unquote missing on wide receivers last year, you know, taking, uh, obviously they wanted Jamar Free. chase very, very strongly and could not get him. So they had to sit there with their, uh, you know, and take Panay Sewell. But on the flip side of that, they also got Amon Ross St. Brown pretty late in that draft. And Brad Holmes said uh, that he's confident in his evaluation of all positions, but he said he learned a lot from this year in general, starting back in free agency. Last time I spoke with you guys, free agency will be a little bit different. We'll have a little bit different resources we can work with, and our roster is different now. We laid a good foundation in place. Um, he talked also Jeremy about what kind of receivers he was looking for, um, and kind of dodged that question a little bit. He just, he's going to try to find receivers that fit with whatever they want to do. But I found that question kind of more indicative that like, I don't know, I wide receiver is definitely on that list of needs, but I see it a little farther down on the list of needs. And I could see free agency being more of a place where they target some wide receivers. Yeah. It, We'll, we'll see. Um, yeah, he, I, he did kind of evade the question a little bit because I, I think, and I can't remember who it was who was asked it. I think it might have been Mikey, but he was really trying to get like what physical, like what kind of physical wider are you? Do you need a, a, a tall playmaker that's going to, you know, jump ball guy? You need a speedy guy. 
basically Brad Holmes answer was the same. What, what I alluded to earlier, like we're all about culture. The reason, and, and it kind of gave us interesting insight into why he drafted Amon Ra. He's like, he basically said it wasn't anything about Amon, Ra, Amon Ra's physical traits. It was who he was as a person, who he was as a competitor, that competitive spirit made us know that that guy was going to work his butt off and be one hell of a football player. And he was right. And so you look at, you look at the Lions senior bowl roster and, and the wide receiver crew, and it's not, it's not a great crew. Jalen Tolbert is, is definitely the the number one guy in there. And interestingly enough, he's kind of the most different of the group too, because there's a lot of short guys, five, you know, five, nine to, to six foot guys on the roster. Tolbert is the only one that stands, I think above six foot, six, two. And he's that vertical kind of big threat that I think a lot of people on the outside uh, say that the lions need, you know, that, that, that tall outside threat to, to Amon Ra's inner, inner threat. And, and obviously TJ Hawkinson up the middle as well. But what I learned from Brad Holmes in this press conference is maybe they're not going to tie themselves too much to style of wide receiver and they're looking for that competitive guy. And then, and, and again, like that speaks to how important this week is for the Lions because they are going to figure out who these guys are as personality wise. And, and that seems to be a very important box that all these guys that they're going to draft needs to check. They need to be super competitive. They need to have that, that gear that not every competitive football player has. And so I don't know who amongst this group has that kind of gene in them, um, but the Lions are certainly going to find out this week. Already did. That guy's name is Trinity Benson. <laughs> is there any names there though on the roster that on, on the rosters that you're looking towards, Jeremy? Since you are down there, uh, are wide receiver take, or yeah, wide position? receiver. It's probably Tolbert, right? Like just because he's so much more different than everyone else on the roster, and, and I agree with most people say like I'd like to see a big outside threat that that also has a lot of good physical skills. He's, I mean, he's a fast dude. Um, but, but yeah, the, a deep ball guy, because whether, I mean, who knows what, what the lines are going to do with, with the free agents that they've got. Um, but they, they need a young guy that, that can complement a guy like I'm on St. Brown. And I think the best way to do that is have an outside possession, possession type of receiver who, who can also create some separation and, and, you know, catch some deep balls. I, the question is whether Jared Goff would be willing to, to target someone like that, um, that he doesn't already have a, a built-in rapport with, but, um, He's, he's probably the guy I'm looking at. I think you, you build those over time. He definitely built it with Amon Ross St. Brown. So True. like he'll, he'll build it with anyone. I'm of course like going to sit here and keep eyeballing Drake London tape. And I don't think London is di- London's not down there obviously, but he will be there in the draft. And there'll be some interesting names around that probably see the wide receiver coming off the board. I don't know what, like, I mean, lines are going to have two, two very close together picks late first, early second. Yeah that if they do take a wide receiver, there's good chance for uh, quality there. I think one of the, the most interesting names is uh, Memphis's Calvin Austin. And this is somebody that I, I only really picked up on because Eric brought him to my attention. Um, and then today, I, I think when, when they had the the measurements and um, all that stuff come out from the senior bowl, there were a lot of people that were kind of making the connection between him and Tutu Atwell Yep. A, uh, a also very kind of like, uh, you know, undersized receiver, uh, you know, Austin, I think he measured in it. Like, was it like under mm-hmm. like five foot nine or something like that? Like he, he's a small guy, but he's heavier than Tutu Atwell. Um, but he's a guy who, I mean, you, 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 you watch some of the plays and it's like guy has, you know, just 
absolute dynamite first step so quick, like, um, you know, different, like, and that's the thing that I think is most interesting, Jeremy, to your point is like, because Brad Holmes isn't saying like, yeah, we are in the market for like this kind of receiver. There's a bunch of different kind of receivers on the lions American team that they can all get to know. And they all are like, you know, if, if Brad Holmes is doing supermarket sweep, he's not just in one aisle. He's, he's everywhere. And he's got all kinds of stuff that he can look at. Hams and diapers in his, in his <laughs> shopping cart. <laughs> Meanwhile, on the other side, I was talking about this guy last night on our, on the, the uh, kind of mock drafts we were doing, not on the American team, but on the national team, they'll still see him uh, North Dakota yeah. state's Christian Watson. I know was kind of stand out in a lot of different ways. And that's more of a, like probably what, late day two kind of a kind of a day two pick somewhere but that could definitely be you know options well there's there's just there's just so much else i know someone was talking up to me about uh this kentucky guy whose name i forget off the top of my head um why am i but, forgetting his but name? i think it's a it's yeah. a good point to to not limit yourself just to the american roster because as, as we talked we talked to jim Nagy last week and he talked he told the story about how Dak prescott was completely off the the radar the, the the Cowboys radar, and he was on the other team that the 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 Cowboys weren't coaching, but they had like all of Friday the lines are going to meet with the national team and like in in a classroom setting, so not just like and and, and obviously they're going to watch the tape of all these practices mm-hmm. too. Like it's not like they don't get to see any of the practices. They're going to see those practices and then they're going to have a nice in depth look at them in the classroom as well. So uh, it's important. I, I know we tend to focus so far on, on the American roster, but, but that national roster is going to be just as important too. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we're going to slide back to some more lions talk. We do have uh, a lions player is going to the pro bowl and we'll pick up some other notes and wrap up shop here on the pride of Detroit POD cast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Friday Detroit POD cast. Third segment here. Wrapping up here, we got you know Jeremy down in Mobile, Alabama. Myself in LA. Ryan up in the snow blitzed uh, Michigan. We're going to get this thing wrapped up because we got to talk about Jonah Jackson. But first, but first, Jeremy has reviews and we've got to read these reviews. <laughs> yeah, uh, we've been putting read out, reviews in a really long time. Yeah, but we, we've been putting putting out a call pretty consistently and, and you guys are, are actually really coming through, which we appreciate it. So uh, we got three new ones that I want to read. Do we, do we read maybe two of them and save or do we go all three? Mm. Read all three. Okay. Let's start with Kyle High, who gave a five-star, said favorite Lions podcast. Says, guys do a great job. Wish Eric was on more, but definitely the best breakdown of everything Lions day-to-day. Very simple, very accurate, and we try to get Eric. And and listen, Eric's going to be on a lot more during the offseason because we're eventually going to bring back our Q&A podcast, which will be on here. Again, we're, we're still trying to figure out exactly how we're going to do that, but coming very soon, I would imagine, because we we really love doing that. Second review and hold on, hold on for this one <laughs> uh, from someone named fuse baby gave us five stars. The review title is rock God. He says, first of all, love listening to you fellas. Secondly, if y'all introduced Ryan again, without the limp biscuit drop, I'm going to sewell my penay off. <laughs> Oh God. Um, I'm unfortunately that's going to probably happen. I don't have the workflow fixed yet. Uh-oh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Sorry. I'll have it fixed for next week. I, I, I like we, ever since we moved to zoom off of the discord bot, I had to change like the entire workflow we did um, in audition. And ha- part of that was I had to draw. I didn't have a space to put in the, the drop. Like it's, it's lazy of me. And I'm going to continue to be lazy because I have to go work tonight. So it'll well, be back soon. Sorry, Fuse, baby. Looks like you're going to have a Very Mike, Frable situ- Mike Frable situation on your hands here. But, but, but you know, for, for February, it'll be back. Uh, and then I shut him down, uh, gave us five stars as a year in review. So I've been listening to the cast for a little, little over a year. And I don't think I've missed one during the time. I'm obviously a Lions fan. I ended up looking for something after ESPN's um, uh uh, Michael Rothstein left for Atlanta. Here's my review. If you're looking for nonstop lines content delivered by a range of hosts who all care about this team, this is it. Don't look any further. Chris, Jeremy, Rock, God, please. Be- <laughs> he also says, please bring back. The all right. Intro all right. I will. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Eric and others all bring different viewpoints to the cast. It's like if you and four or five, four to five of your best friends were all diehard line fans as you and you recorded uh, talking about it. I've been waiting a year to give the utmost honest review as possible. Keep it going, boys. Very thoughtful, very funny, uh, very much appreciated uh, review. Thank you. I shut them down. Keep those coming. Those are all from Apple Podcasts, but continue to review us on Spotify or rate us. They they don't have a review spot. I think we're well over 200 reviews on on Spotify now, which is insane. And still doing, doing, I think, a 4.9 on there. So keep those coming. We very much appreciate it. Uh, yeah, so man. much of what we do is, including me being at the freaking super in the senior bowl, is is because of your guys' support. So uh, really, really do appreciate. He, it. he almost said Super Bowl. 
I, he's already he's already planned. Don't already don't know. I don't even want to go to the Super Bowl. I don't want to be there. All the other Lions guys are being there. They are, but I don't want to be there. Jeremy would literally be Lieutenant Dan by the bar with confetti falling down. Why don't you, why don't you get me the press so I can go there? I'm here living in LA myself. You could get, I, I bet you could get a press pass. Honestly, probably, probably. but I don't like, it's going to be a night. Like, can you imagine? I've heard SoFi is awful. Tra- I've heard the- SoFi is terrible. Like a terrible, like person experience for a living living human trying to go to and leave a game and watch a game that so far is terrible that's the thing like it's good getting a flight out there would be miserable fighting traffic is going to be miserable parking is going to be miserable i'm already getting sweats of the idea of coming down from the san fernando valley to inglewood i (laughs) i hate the 405 and listen like I don't know if I'll be able to follow press box rules. That's all I'm saying during a Matthew Stafford Super Bowl. That's I could probably saying. follow them. You I probably hold, I hold it I don't inside. Think I, could. I, I channel everything into my Twitter profile. Everything goes into tweeting. All right. <laughs> all of my rage, anger, and hatred, all of my love, take it. Kamehameha. Oh, man, I uh, I want to say that I really do appreciate the reviews. At the same time, it's nine fifty one, and it's a weeknight, and I'm ordering Taco Bell. Oh and, no! Uh, I just know I'm setting myself up to fail tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully the snow saves you. But talk about one guy who doesn't need saving. Talk about one guy who's at the top, Jonah Jackson. So I believe uh, Brandon Scherf of Washington Football Team. Uh, he, he suffered a sprained MCL during the season, but that was like back in like late October. Um, but either way, because of injury, he's dropping out of the pro bowl. Uh, Jonah Jackson was named one of the four, four alternates from the one of one of four lions named as alternates, to the pro bowl. So Jonah Jackson gets the nod. Yep. Um, funny stuff on the sure front too, because our old friend, Martin Mayhew, who used to be the lion's, GM here in Detroit. He's now the GM in Washington and he claiming that Scherf tur- has like came out this week and it's a bit of a scuttlebutt because Scherf had turned down um, a contract that would made it made him one of the highest paid interior offensive linemen in the NFL, according to Mayhew. But at the same time, Scherf's also been like franchise tagged for two years running. So probably wants to test the waters if we're being honest, but either way between that, and between the injury, Scherf has decided he's going to sit out the Pro Bowl. Jonah Jackson's up. It, it's kind of interesting to me that Jonah Jackson. So he was originally a, a second alternate. Um, so he was pretty high up there in the Pro Bowl voting. Like he obviously, obviously, I mean, now he's in the Pro Bowl. So it, it only took two people to, to get unseated, essentially, whether it was injury or, or being in the Super Bowl. I don't, I don't remember who exactly um, finished above him. But I don't know. Like, I feel like Jonah Jackson's 2021 season kind of went under the radar. And I'm a little surprised that he got voted as high as he did. I, I don't think he had a fantastic year, but he certainly had a good year and, and built on, on, on solid rookie season before that. Um, I, I guess I'm just a little surprised that he got national recognition because I don't think, I don't think his play was splashy enough to really get that national pull. And we're still talking about a three 13 and one t- team. So, I mean, good on, good on the voters, I guess. Maybe this brings a little more legitimacy to the pro bowl. That the fact that a three 13 and one offensive lineman who's probably the third best offensive lineman that played for the team, maybe even fourth best offensive lineman on the team made it to the pro bowl. Yeah. That was kind of the thing about Jonah Jackson this year, right? Is like coming into this season. I think that people had really high expectations for the way that he played in his rookie season. And I think maybe 
to, to some people, it was a little disappointing from the jump, but like, you have to remember that in his rookie season, he's playing next to Frank rag now. Right. I mean, it, it really benefits you to be playing from a guy who is an all pro quality center. So, I mean, maybe it just took him to get his footing a little bit, but then again, like the rest of the offensive line needed to, you know, shuffle around and, you know, there's no Taylor Decker and Panay Sula is switching sides and Matt Nelson's in and, you know, uh, even Vitae is playing a different position, right? Like for, yeah. from a year ago. So, um, but like, I think Jonah Jackson is somebody who, when, when people talk about the lions up front, like they, I think they put a lot of emphasis and stock in Jonah Jackson being like the, the mauler of the group, right? Like the run blocker, like the guy who gets yeah. out there and like grades the road. Right. And I mean, he had a couple of really good, really good, you know, uh, games this year, you know, pro football focus, you look at it as run block grade, like was, you know, over 80, uh, a couple of times this year, the LA game, you know, at SoFi, uh, you know, the Philadelphia game, which is not very memorable, but like pretty consistently, like, you know, up in the high seventies for like a run blocking grade, which like for a guard is, is pretty good um, amongst guards. Yeah. I, I, I was watching some, some uh, lions fans discuss things because I pointed out that pro football focus graded him at like the 22nd among eligible 82 possible offensive guards. And they were saying, oh, that's not that great. But, like, considering how many guards are around the NFL. Every, every team yeah. has two starting ones. Everyone's, so I feel like, like being yeah. in the top 22 is pretty yeah, good. He, he wasn't named to a starter, he was, but he was, like, an alternate to go in there. But I think it's a good sign to, to what you guys are saying. Like, this is a lot. The fact that this is probably, like, the third or fourth most talented, you know. I, I mean, he's best, definitely the best guard. And a lot of the talent for the Lions comes at center and tackles. But – this whole line is pretty well stocked for, for the future. And it, it, it's, it's a great sign kind of moving forward. And I feel like Jackson, he is the lion's first homegrown guard to be named to the pro bowl in the super bowl era. So, I mean, we were talking earlier about Stafford never really having line. What, what was that, Jeremy? I just, that's crazy. That stat is crazy. Yeah. But I mean, again, think of those Stafford years where he, we talked about how much we'd watch the offensive line struggle year in and year out to protect Stafford and just take big hit after big hit. Part of that now is, is gone. Like we've got, we've got great talent on the offensive line. And as long as it continues to develop and grow, then you're going to see more of these guys like Jonah Jackson. And, and again, he was an alternate, but that's still a pretty damn good honor. That's basically saying like, you're probably like, you know, fifth or sixth or seventh, you know, ready to go. Like among, among interior linemen. I mean, to me, like the story here, and it's and it's one that I think has been lingering all year, is that the offense really might not be that far away. It really, it really might not be, mm-hmm. because we we talked about this in the offseason or in in a break. Like Jonah Jackson is probably the fourth best offensive lineman on this team, and he's just made named to a Pro Bowl. <laughs> that's that's insane. And and Vitae is is a guy who looked better last year than than we expected. He's a guy that graded out by PFF in the top half of the league at guard. And we know what this team wants to be. We know they want to be a mauling team. We know they want to be a running team. They know that we know they want to be balanced. What else do they need other than health to be kind of that balanced team? A wide receiver, right? Maybe two, maybe another tight end, and then see what golf can do in a full season. It, it's very, I mean, it's, it's interesting. It, it, it feels weird to say that they're that close when, you know, they were bottom half offense last year. When they had two, when they had two wins. 
Yeah. And, and even, even when the, you know, the offense was rolling at the end of the season, like they still weren't putting up like 45 points, like the chiefs, right. They, they don't, they didn't have this explosive offense that, that we have come to, to grow and love in, in today's NFL, but they could accomplish what they want to accomplish, which might be, I mean, might be something different. Like these last two NFC and AFC championship games, those weren't 38 to 35 games, 20 to 17. And, and I don't remember what the chiefs game was, but it wasn't, it wasn't that high scoring. And so we know the lines want to control the ball a little bit. We know they want to kind of draw up possessions and, and, and just be kind of a physical defense. If they want to be a team that wins games 27 to 20, like, they might be able to do that next year. It's January 31st, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm feeling it. I, 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 Should I, I throw I, some cold water on him, Ryan. I, I, maybe. I don't know if he needs it. I kind of set, I, 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 I set pretty, him up. It's pretty warm there, down but... here in Mobile. Well, <laughs> let's throw some, let's some cold get, water on your, on your excitement then. Because Aaron Glenn's taking an interview with the New Orleans Saints. He is. How panicked are you now? Are we still doing this? Because every time, every time it seems like Aaron Glenn takes like an interview with someone, it feels like I have to hold back the floodgates of everyone panicking in Detroit that you're imminently about to lose a coordinator. Basically, a rerun of everything we did every year with Terrell Austin, and that never came to light. Aaron Glenn might have a better chance of it, but I feel like much like with someone like, say, Kellen Moore, it feels premature for a guy who's had one year as defensive coordinator, I know he was a defensive backs coach for a long time, but I feel like a lot of these teams who are taking interviews with guys like Moore and Glenn are basically taking the interviews to try to feel the waters and make notes down the line for guys they might see in a few years time. But I don't know if it's, it's necessarily like these seem like outside chance interviews. And I know that Glenn was very familiar with the new Orleans system but I don't know where, like, I don't know if he's put enough qualifications on his resume for a, for a head coaching job yet. I could be, am I wrong or. Well, I I think when I look at what the saints coaching search is starting to become like it's, it's, it's three guys, right? Like they're, they're bringing in Brian Flores who, Mm -hmm. I mean, did it somewhere else, you know, by all, by all accounts was probably should have still have a job. Right, was shown the door in Miami way earlier than he should have been. So they have Brian Flores as an outsider. They have Aaron Glenn on Wednesday as maybe maybe we let one get away that we shouldn't have let get away in, in Aaron Glenn. And then they have Dennis Allen, who seems to be like the odd on, odds-on favorite just because I know Jeremy said that he watched uh, quite a bit of Sean Payton's press conference, but like it seems like Dennis Allen is a guy that's getting like Sean Payton's vote of confidence. And yep. for – you know, for, for however long that Sean Payton was there, like 15, 16 years or whatever. I mean, I I would think that a coach going out on his own terms would have somewhat of a say in like the guy for succession, not, not, not not saying that like, you know, Sean Payton gets to choose who's next, but like you should probably like take his word for it. If he says, Hey, this guy will, will set you up for success. So it, it almost seems like I'm not too concerned. Like, I, I will be I will be pretty bummed out like if Aaron Glenn leaves. I, I was I was somebody who really early on was in on Aaron Glenn and like I thought that he would be an awesome defensive coordinator. I mean, <laughs> with what he did with last year's team on defense, I mean 
I wrote the Jalen Reeves Maben free agent profile review. The Lions linebackers were <laughs> Alex Anzalone and Jalen Reeves Maben and Derek Barnes, the guy who just started playing linebacker a year ago. Like, and, and then a bunch of guys from the practice squad. Like, yeah. I, I will be bummed if Aaron Glenn goes, but I really don't think that the Saints are going to hire him. I think I'm, it's going to be Dennis Allen. I'm like at a four and a half out of ten worried. Not 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 panic mode yet, but like when when he when he interviewed for the Broncos, it was like a one or a two because they they interviewed ten dudes. Aaron Glenn was just first in line. Right. I thought people were were being a little panicky about that one, overly panicky. But listen, man, Aaron. The, if there's one team that knows what Aaron Glenn's value is, other than the Detroit Lions, it's the New Orleans Saints. Yep. And they know yeah. everything about him. They he turned around that defense in a damn hurry. And yes, he wasn't alone, but that's like we we've talked we talked about it ad nauseum when the Lions first hired uh Aaron Glenn. That secondary, he earned the respect of young players. Here in the respect of veterans who are very hard to please. Some of those guys in that secondary, <laughs> kind of hard-nosed guys. He's he's a coach's coach and a player's coach, as was Sean Payton. He got results. He knows how to motivate guys. He's got the chops, man, and the Saints know it. And listen, I I I can't claim to know a lot about Dennis Allen. And and yes, Sean Payton literally said, "quote He's a great candidate in the building." So yes, that is a full on endorsement. But I like. I, I don't know what they're thinking in the, in these, so I'm not inside the interviews, but I think, I think Aaron Glenn is the clear number two candidate. And it's also worth pointing out that they did reportedly interview Doug Peterson earlier in the week. Um, so technically four current candidates for that job, but I'm, I'm not going to call it neck and neck, but I, I think Aaron Glenn is very much a legitimate candidate for the same search. And um, you should, you should be at least mildly, mildly concerned because yeah, I, I, if, if compensatory picks is your thing, the Lions don't get any compensatory picks because Aaron Glenn needs to be there for two years. And if developing players is your concern, which is probably should be your, your more important concern there. I think that's a, that's a pretty big concern because really the only, the only guy that can replace him is maybe Aubrey Pleasant, maybe Todd wash. Todd wash is the most experienced, right? He has defensive coordinator experience. Aubrey Pleasant would be a bit of a, of a reach in your first year. And then suddenly you're, you're developing your coaches, which is a good thing, but, it felt like last year was like, all right, everyone's in these first time positions. Aaron Glenn was defensive coordinator for the first time. Um, you know, all these coaches were kind of developing last year to kind of have to start over at defensive coordinator next year would be a, a pretty big bummer. Yep. So there, there's yeah. your cold water to end it. Yeah. I, I mean, the only thing I have to say about Dennis Allen is that he's been the defensive coordinator in New Orleans for seven years. Yeah. I mean, that's something that's really interesting coaching like resume though, because DC with the Broncos and then gets hired to be the Oakland Raiders head coach and sticks around there for three seasons, you know, it goes four and 12, four and 12, and then gets canned after starting zero and four, but I don't know. Do you New Orleans? New Orleans will do them and we'll do the senior bowl and everyone at the senior bowl have Jeremy do, do the senior bowl. I'm going to, I'm going to close up a lot of work. Yeah, it is. I'm going to close up this because I think Jeremy wants to get chicken fingers. Speaking of mobile, 
Just, oh. Like we, we looked at this up during a break and I think all of Jeremy's options are basically chicken finger restaurants. I will, I will provide a full Raisin Cane's review mm. on the podcast feed sometime later this you week. You got to get Zaxby's at some point. That's going to happen too. That is going to happen. Until that happens though, we're out for the rest of the week. For uh, Try to have a first bite this week. I need to still get confirmation on that, but we're very hopeful of the guests we're going to get. And uh, we'll have reports from Mobile, Alabama. Until then, we'll see you star side. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on? Oh, mom. <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.